no, no plunder on TV will ever get a job again. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the 40-yard switch. I actually do remember that I, amongst all of my uh, intro antics from last week, I forgot to actually announce what the show was. So uh, yes, for those listening who also listened last week and for whatever reason perhaps are confused, this is the 40-yard switch. We are into episode 100 and God knows what, Uh, but yes, I am your host, Jasper Woody Woodson, alongside me, the ever-dependable Wooder Kudalooks. How are you, man? Going well. Going well. Not so well after the weekend's results, but outside of football. Yeah, outside of football. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm going well. But yeah, I mean, yeah, result not great. Performance um, wasn't terrible. Uh, So yeah. I think I think what worried me a bit more is looking at some of the other results. Mm, Burnley putting thing. in a good performance against West Ham, Luton beating Crystal Palace, Bournemouth I, winning against Sheffield. Yeah, so I think spoke about last week of you know whether Everton would be fine, and you know it's like lots of the conversation was around the the rest of that pack being not so very good and not winning very very many points so far this season yeah. and yeah I think it would just take that to change for us to be in the, the relegation battle again which we're in so yeah anyway it's not a great weekend for, for Everton no. I think especially in the context of like the you know all the protests and stuff and you know the big demonstration from the fans with the, the pink like the Premier League corrupt cards and they're getting slapped three now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, that that doesn't paint the entire picture, though. I think that uh, Everton were definitely good. Maybe, maybe not as on the front foot as they could have been in terms of pressing United, but in terms of creating chances, still created loads. Just seems to be the, just after supposedly maybe bucking that trend uh, of not uh, scoring off lots of opportunities created, seemed to go back into that habit or that not that lack of a habit of scoring uh, against United. But, uh, yeah, look, it's not, like, optics-wise, it's not great. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was definitely chances. Like, there was a Decore one that definitely should go in. But I suppose the difference now is that most of the people that we, you know, would want putting away those chances are fitting in the team. So there's less of a... That's an excuse for why we're not capitalising on the chances. But mm. anyway, today's not about yeah. Everton. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, today is not about Everton and it's not about Arsenal either. Uh, for once, we're going to put our two teams aside because Arsenal, Liverpool and Man City seemingly are making up what we hope will be an interesting title race as they are within all within a, a game of each other. Arsenal on... No, all within two points of each other, in fact, I think. Arsenal on 30, Man City on 29, Liverpool on 28. Uh, so we're not going to talk about them today. We're going to talk about uh, the pack of four teams that we believe are going to be chasing those final two Champions League spots if there is to be a fifth Champions League spot from the Premier League due to the coefficient uh, rules or however that is decided. So the teams are uh, Aston Villa, Tottenham Hot- or as they stand in the ladder, Aston Villa, Tottenham Hotspur, Manchester United and Newcastle United. So it's interesting... So if you talk, if if you had of 
had this discussion a month ago, pictures would have looked very different. You know, Tottenham having their amazing start, United injuring an extremely tough start, Newcastle enjoyed a slow start against some very good, t- tough opposition, but sort of slow starting to figure it out. But fast forward to now, and the picture is quite different. You've uh, you've got those three teams separated by five points. Villa are a little bit ahead, level on points with Liverpool at 28, but probably wouldn't quite categorise them in the same level as the top three. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that's a pretty fair assessment as well, even though they are equal on points. It's hard to see them sort of making a, a challenge for the top. I mean, who knows? But yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd say they're more in that conversation for top four yeah, or top and five. Which now. is, again, wild. You like Even despite how good they finished last season, everyone sort of thought with European football this season, they'd, they'd drop off a bit, mm. uh, even if it is only the Conference League. But it hasn't seemed to be the case. Their home form is the best best in the league. Uh, yeah. And their away form, while iffy at times, has they've done enough to get results to see them fourth in the table. So yeah. what we're going to do today is we're going to basically just have a look at a brief look at each team and sort of discuss, you know, because we're basically a third of the way into the season now. Or like mathematically, it's slightly more than a third, but essentially thirteen games out of thirty-eight is practically a third of the season. Yeah. So we're going to be just to sort of discuss compare how their season is going uh, you know outside of all the potential media noise and then sort of just do we think they have what it takes to be filling up those fourth and fifth spots so i guess we'll start with villa because they're they're in fourth at the moment how have you the basic question we'll start with is how, how have you sort of seen how they've been going I think for me, Villa seemed to have just flown on, flown under the radar a lot. Like I'm, until the I, last few weeks recently, yeah. Yeah, I think because because what they started their season off with, they got beaten four one, five one, five one at Newcastle. Yeah. With yeah, um, so obviously a very tough start. And I just feel like since then I haven't really like heard that much about it. I suppose they've just been going about their business like quietly, and now they're sort of you know ahead, like two points ahead of. You know Tottenham, who's kind of been gaining like the most kind of attention uh, early on in the season. I think, yeah, I mean, coming into the season, like you mentioned, they have they have a solid, like they have a solid squad squad coming out of squad <laughs> coming out of last season, um, and you'd you'd kind of like expect them to be up there. But I think at this point they've probably outperformed expectations oh, so far. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think yeah, the five one opening day result definitely probably maybe were like okay that's all temper expectations on Villa a little bit yeah but then yeah I think they've had a couple of tricky uh, maybe not so great away performances that have maybe sort of kept them under the radar but their home form like I alluded to earlier has been incredible Uh, slapped West Ham 4-1 or 4-2 slapped Brighton 6-1 uh, averaging over three goals a game at home this season, which is incredible. Uh, but then, yeah, like losing four one against five uh, one against Newcastle, losing three 0 away to Anfield to Liverpool in a game where they looked decidedly placid. Yeah. Uh, and then I think uh, one all draws against Wolves and uh, losing to Forest potentially. Um, as just sort of you know. Yeah, lost to Forest. Just sort of, yeah, away. made them sort of potentially seem not as good as they, as they maybe, you know, 
inwardly Villa fans would see them. Yeah. But I do think, yeah, they've got all the tools. Like you said, they had a very good squad to begin with last season and they finished that season really strong. Uh, and then they've just added a few little pieces here and there. Musa Diaby, mm. Yuri Tielemans on a free, Pau Torres. And I just think that... Uh, and also the returning... Like, even though he's had he's, he's had a couple games out with injury, the returning of Diego Carlos who missed the entire last season with an Achilles injury. Yeah. So it's not just down to Mings and Concer anymore and... You know, Callum Chambers has gone from third choice centre back to fifth choice centre back now. Yeah, which is probably a good thing because the quality of centre back, like the defence as a whole, has gotten better. The midfield rotational options, like Yuri Tillemans, didn't start a game for the first ten games of the season. Yeah, and maybe was playing Conference League, but now, but then you see when he does come into the team now, he impacts the game. He's, I think he's got an assist in his last three games. Mm. So I just think, yeah, Una Emery's managing the squad rotation really well, and. The pieces that they've picked up along the way have hit the ground running. Yeah, I think as well. Like Ollie Watkins is like on form, one of the best strikers in the Premier League at the moment. That's probably like one of the big reasons why they're why they're up there. Yeah, I think like I I, I suppose looking at it now, like a part of the reason why they might have flown under the radar is because they haven't had that solid run of games, but they've been picking up points kind of like up and down, like you mentioned. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, a bit of background noise. Um, but yeah, they, they just seem to be going over their business. And it is it it is kind of no surprise that they are, you know, in like in that position sort of relatively high up the table with, with a manager like Unai Emery, who's been very solid for a long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, it, 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 I also don't think, like last thing we'll say on Villa is it's, it's no real fluke either because if you see the, 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 the points that the Premier League posted for, for the calendar year 2023, they're actually tied second with Arsenal on 71 points behind uh, City. So yeah, like it's, it's, I think it's something that they've been building towards for a while and so far it's coming to fruition. Whether or not they can maintain it, we'll, remain, we'll, we'll touch on where we think they'll all, they'll all do at, after we've gone through each team. But yeah, whether or not they can maintain it remains to be seen. What's what do you think that is their weak weak point? Like where would it kind is there of fall apart? Yeah, it's their away form. They they like as good as they are, and like they're, they're flex. They seem to be have flexible like playstyle wise. They can be an on the ball possession dominant team. They can be a team that defends well, soaks up and hits on the counter. But and at home they do defend very well. But away from home they can see so many chances, mm. and it seems to be something that just nips them in the bud. Mm. And that's that has been. A, a fallback of Unai Emery's teams uh, in the past but it's something that I think that they can improve on as the season goes so mm. we'll see but like that would be the one thing I would point out I feel like when you look at their squad they do have all the I feel like for a while you looked at Villa and it was kind of like they're a little bit weak in defence with like Conza and Mings but now they've like more than strengthened in that department so like I think the squad on the whole it like more than has enough about them to to get into that that Maybe fifth Champions League spot. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So from one team that's had a very high-flying start to the season to a team that was high-flying but has seemingly fallen by the wayside a little bit, uh, especially uh, the hype around this team, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, to start the season, especially in this country, Australia, was a huge for the Ange Pastacoglu in their unbeaten start from the first 10 games of the season. Mm. Uh, I think there might have... Uh, only, the only whisperings of, you know, title charge were among those sort of crazy Australian fans being like, you know, Ange wins wherever he goes. Look at the start they've already had. 
But yeah. I think to anyone, even Tottenham fans, uh, who you know, had a bit of a bit of wits about them, could could see that while the starting eleven for Spurs was really good, it was only going to take one or two injuries to have that you know impacted. Mm. And I know they've had more than one or two injuries and suspensions. Like you know their, their injury, their unavailable list was nine players in their um, Wolves defeat. But a lot of those players, yeah. not as important as the players, as the three key players they lost in the Chelsea game, which was. Christian Romero to suspension, Mickey van der Ven to suspension, and James Madison. Mm. And you've really seen in the in uh, well, the Chelsea game notwithstanding, in the two games that have followed, they've it's been twofold. They've missed the defensive stability, having to play Emerson Royale and, and Ben Davies at centre back, and then they've also missed the offensive, you know, chance creation that yeah. James Madison brings. And yeah, with those injuries being so long term how do we I don't know is this going to have a major impact in, in them trying to push for a Champions League spot yeah I think I think even before they lost uh, like the the key defenders they were, they were still leaky and when, when they were having that you know that title charge <laughs> they were still they were still kind of conceding goals and winning games by very narrow margins like very, very late in the game like, yeah you think of Sheffield you think of narrowly against Luton uh, just for a, for a few yeah like the, the Liverpool game where they really got big run of rubber the green in terms yeah. of the VAR decision yeah 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 exactly they, like, they kind of rode their rode their luck a little bit but yeah I think they've been leaky like the whole season and still and I think you know because of the way Ange plays like they're, they're always going to be like exposed in that sense, but I think the like obviously the big one, and this is no secret, is yeah J- James Madison because they've got the kind of cast of players who kind of would play like a similar role, like you know Kulusevski, Richarlison, Son's obviously on the next level to that, but like Madison was really the key that kind of brought them all together, and there's no other attacking player in that Tottenham team that can really do that. So he's injury is is obviously the huge one yeah and you've seen Ange Postacoglu in the past few weeks try and throw in Giovanni Lo Celso try and throw in Brian Hill try and you know move Yves Basuma further up yeah to try and replicate any of that and it's not really worked Mm. so yeah so Christian Romero I think has got one game left of his suspension yeah uh, this week which will be this week and then uh, he'll be back and Udogi's already back from his suspension came back last week um, but yeah Van, no Van de Ven and no uh, Madison until the new year okay true how much is that going to de- derail their their plight if you will I think yeah I think like while it definitely makes sense that sort of like losing Madison kind of breaks up that whole like sort of attacking force, I think like because the margins have been so thin either like they've lost three in a row, but again it was like like the Wolves game was the last minute winner. The, yeah. the Villa game they created so much it was probably yeah another exactly. day they could like, have got a result like out of that. Three three goals knocked off because of offside. I still think that there's. Like it's it's a bit hard to call the fact that you know Madison being out means that they're going to slide down the table in, in in a big way. I still think, I reckon you know the position that they're in now is going to be the position that they're in for like the the rest of the season. Like they're not going to have that as kind of crazy run, but yeah, um, 
Yeah. Do you think while this initial gung-ho style that Andrew Postacoglu played initially may have shocked some teams who have, you know, played a certain way or set up a certain way against Tottenham for the past few years, playing the very sort of negative football that Tottenham played under various managers. Yeah. Do you think that teams may start to figure out this uh, Andrew Ball style as the season progresses, or is it just, or is it just one of those things that just works as long as the players work hard enough? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like it's a hard one. I've, like, and you've definitely seen a lot of like, like Burnley is th- this season. Like, is a perfect example. Whereas, like, if if the manager doesn't have the plan B, it seems seems to be the case that you know other managers are going to be able to figure out how to play against it and and, and counter it. Like, um, so yeah, like I, I can't see why that wouldn't happen with Tottenham as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What, what, what do you think? I think it's difficult because obviously. Pan, I, Postacoglu said in the past that plan A, plan B is just to do plan A better. Mm. But I think it's a lot easier to do that than it is for, say, Burnley when you've got the players that Tottenham have at their disposal. Yeah, true. But in saying that, you sort of saw when they didn't have some of the players at their disposal to do that against Wolves, they sort of just, they went one nil ahead and after five minutes just sat back and tried and just... And couldn't really get on the ball and do what they wanted to do, and essentially just soaked up pressure against Wolves for the best part of 80, 80 minutes. Yeah, uh, they were more on the front foot against Villa, to their credit. Again, that was at home, though. And I am wondering. I think the biggest thing that not having the certain players that they have will impact is just how they create and score goals and defend against uh, teams when they're away from home. Because when you're at home, I feel like you can paper over cracks because, you know, there's, it's just, you know, it's just, you're yeah, playing at home, the atmosphere. the atmosphere, it can kind of just wheel everyone on. But with, yes, when you're playing away from home, you can, you go into your shell, the crowd, crowd's really loud. So yeah, again, like, like we said to Villa, it will be away form from now until December, until the Christmas that I'll be keeping a keen, keen eye on for Tottenham because they lose two or three more away games. And then I don't think, I agree with you, I don't think they'll slide massively down the table, but depending on how other teams around them do, like the two teams we'll get onto in a second, they may struggle to stay in the hunt. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's it's it's, it's very easy to say that, yeah, the, like plan A is, sorry, plan B is to do plan A better. I think as well though, like in in recent times, like Tottenham, like have been like one of the best, like count, like been known for one of the best like counter attacking teams, like in in the Premier League, and they have obviously had lots of luck against Man City playing that kind of like, kind of sit low and hit them on the break. So they like they've and they've still got those players who can do it. So like I I don't really, I don't really see why you wouldn't lean on that in certain situations when it's when it's necessary. Like yeah. it'd be interesting to see whether Ange actually you know six of that like well, he, he said it at the end of the Chelsea game but you know that's a kind of certain context yeah I also think the last thing I want to say before we move on is it, I, the one thing I found weird is like and you know I'll be the first person to say I don't rate Eric Dyer but he Eric Dyer is who has a natural centre back is not getting picked over Ben Davies and Emerson Royale who are both full backs mm. that tells me a lot about Antoine's trust in Dyer and also but also like say what you want about Dyer as a player he's a leader in that dressing room because he's been there for so long 
Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's going to potentially cause some issues. And if, if Romero comes back, does Dyer start starting again? Or what's the deal there? So I'll be interested to see how that develops. Yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, uh, moving down the table again to sixth position is a team that had the media would have had you believing a few weeks ago was having an absolute disaster uh, start to the season. Eric Ten Hag seemingly breaking negative record after negative record for United managers. Uh, United having, you know, having yet to play, put in a good performance against any team despite picking up wins here and there. Five wins and five losses after 10 games. But over the past few weeks, they have picked up Wins against Luton, against Fulham, against Sheffield, and then now against Everton on the weekend, probably their best performance of the season by some distance. Uh, and all of a sudden, they're sitting two points behind Tottenham, who are having a, a magisterial start to the season, and things aren't looking so bad. But I guess the hard thing to f- sort of get a read on with United is have they actually turned a corner or have has it just been a sort of ride or luck against some teams that are also having troubles? Mm. What, what, or is it six of one, half a dozen of the other? Yeah, I think I think it's probably a bit of both. <laughs> like, they've definitely had an easy run of games, and I think that's kind of paved the way for them, for things to stabilise a little bit. And I think, I think, to their credit, they've also come away with the results in in those easy games like you know you'd expect them to beat Luton beat Burnley all of that but I think given where they were at and you know all the constant pressure that's always on United like they have done pretty well to come away with those with those results especially when like I don't think anyone really could have predicted like you know given how Casemiro and Rashford for instance played last year how poorly they've started this season like Casemiro has been pretty terrible um, Rashford's been like obviously the the goal and assist return has been just like non-existent really one yeah or two now he's got a penalty but yeah so yeah it's 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 kind of I, I suppose it's difficult to predict that um, and you see how important it is because like you know Kobe Minu comes in at the weekend and just does like you know a relatively simple performance but very solid and very composed for for a guy so young and that kind of just changes like the whole performance. If you have someone in there who is, you know, like half decent or can just do the solid center defensive midfield thing, then it kind of changed the composition of the whole team. Yeah, I think the the, the thing for me that was such a breath of fresh air about Kobe Maynard was unlike what we've seen from maybe Casemiro and McTominay in, and even Amrabat to an extent in those defensive positions is A, he was sensible with the ball. He didn't turn it over. B, he was hard running and committed in tracking back and winning the ball and defending throwing blocks in you know you think back to that clip of McTominay against Brighton where Brighton are playing out from the back and he just lets them walk past them essentially yeah and also countless clips of Casemiro just you know jogging in the middle of midfield as Copenhagen and other teams just run past him yeah and Amrabat has just looked decidedly average since he joined this season yeah yeah, so he he just it's 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 and I think it says something about you know academy players having that sort of desire. You've seen mm. it at Arsenal with the likes of Saka, Smith Rowe, um, and others, uh, and he just seemed to he, you know he realizes the privilege it is to play for a club like Manchester United, mm. the biggest club in England, and 
he wants it and he and he and he, and he plays like he wants it whereas yeah. that's kind of been the issue with united players for a while not yeah. all of them but like a lot of them you know and rashford's guilty of this too have just sort of been okay when things are cruising but when the sort of chips are down and like i know it's just one game so you can't really tell but you know they've all been culpable at some point of just sort of phoning it in yeah when things got a little bit tough and he Kobe Maynard's performance was indicative of a player who was like no 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 I'm going to take this opportunity and take it with both hands and make so Eric Ten Hag has to keep playing me yeah yeah for sure yeah I mean it's definitely true and like you've obviously heard countless clips of Roy Keane <laughs> like ragging on those midfielders and, and, and players in other positions who just don't seem like they're that interested in putting in a shift um so yeah, but it, it like it is just a bit ridiculous, really. That that like you sort of have that conversation about players playing for Manchester United, like yeah. It's what do you mean? Like you know the the fact that you won't put in a shift. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's disappointing. Yeah, yeah. extremely disappointing. Yeah, but okay. So then yeah, I guess what what comes next for United is they've had this easy run of games. They've built a foundation, three clean sheets in the last five. And they're seemingly settling and they're building some confidence. But now the game slates start to get harder. They've got Newcastle on the weekend, which is the next team we'll talk about. And then they're back in the Champions League. They've got serious ground to make up in the Champions League as well. Only, okay, not serious ground. They've only got to get a few, one win and they're potentially back in the uh, second spot. But yeah, the games are going to get harder. And we saw in the one outlier of a, game, of a team that wasn't, in the um, that was in the top half of the Premier League table that they played was against Manchester City and their defence, which has looked decent against those lower teams, looked decidedly average. Mm. Uh, Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans, for all the praise that's been heaped on them, were at sixes and sevens trying to defend Haaland and, and Co. Yeah. So, do you think that the foundations they've laid over the past five weeks are going to see an, an uptick in performances against you know Newcastle, etc.? Or is the jury still out a little bit? I think the defense is going to struggle against Newcastle. Like just you know watching, like Newcastle in particular, watching watching the start of that that PSG game where they were so up for it. Like it's it's at St James's Park the game against United as well. Like I think as and we've mentioned this off air. Like I think as soon as especially Harry Maguire gets put under a little bit of pressure, it's it's gonna like. I think his performances are definitely going to suffer from that. So do you think then, if, if, if they have a negative result against Newcastle, is because this has been the case with United for, for quite a few seasons now, they'll have a little bit of a good run, a disastrous result, and the confidence will crumble. Yeah. So what if they're going to push for that Champions League spot because they're... After a disastrous last season, uh, after no, not, not not disastrous last season. After disastrous two seasons before, mm. they bounced back last season to a point, but then there's a lot more teams vying for that Champions League spot now. Do they have what it takes to be mentally, you know, stable enough to deal with the pressure at St James's Park and other teams to push forward and? get what they want out of the season I feel like if Harry Maguire's form dips as like as a result of you know say say potentially having a difficult time at Newcastle and in the next few games against Chelsea Liverpool coming up as well 
I think just that narrative starts to slip back in of the fact that they really don't have that many centre-backs who are up to it. Um, it's hard to see... It's hard to see Casemiro kind of getting back to where he was last season. Um, and then and, also... And it's, and it's difficult for Mainu to do it all. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also brings back into the questions about why Ten Hag is persisting with not playing Varane. If then yeah, Maguire, I was mention that. Yeah. If Maguire then continue, put, starts to put in these sort of performances, or, or even Johnny Evans puts in a bad performance, like, you know, the, the calls for Varane to come back into the team will get louder and louder. Yeah. Apparently, apparently there's a bit of a situation developing there between Ten Hag and Varane as oh, well. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Apparently, Varane's quite unhappy. So. Well, I would be too. I mean, like, I'm a Champions League winning, and World Cup Johnny winning... Evans. Center back, and you're playing Johnny Bloody Evans ahead of me. Mm, yeah, but I like. I mean, it's it, it it is hard to say, but like looking at the next few yeah. fixtures, it's very easy to see how, you know, the narratives and the headlines that were around before this easy run of games can easily slip back in. Yeah, because it's United as well. Yeah. All right. Lastly, we'll talk about Newcastle. So. Had a bit of a tough start to the season. Uh, admittedly played an extremely tough slate of games. Uh, losses to Liverpool, losses to Man City, losses to Brighton, all within their first five games. But since then, and especially in the past month or so, have really started to turn the screws. Uh, wins against Arsenal, wins against Chelsea. Uh, I think, I, th- I think, uh, I think a few other convincing wins as well. Uh, doing considerably decent in the Champions League as well. Oh, win over Man City as well in the in the EFL Cup. So, yeah, and I think we're really starting to see the team that people thought Newcastle would be at the start of the season when they smashed Villa 5-1. There was a little bit of a dip there initially, but they're figuring some things out. And despite, they've also had a number of injuries. Sven Botman hasn't played for nearly two months, uh, and a bunch of other players have been injured. Um, they had an unavailable list of 10 when they lost to Bournemouth before the international break and that's been the only real dip that they've had in their run yeah. but then you saw they came crashing back with a massive performance against Chelsea at St. was that at St. James's Park as well? Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah where where do how do we feel about them compared to the other three? I reckon sort of on a trend like I reckon these guys are the ones that I expect to like, like move up more than the rest of them. Like I reckon, you know, that, that like you mentioned, they had that hard run of games, and that's when their form dipped. But aside from that, they've been very good, you know, with with a, with a long injury list. So I think they'll be the ones that, do, for me, are trending up towards the end of the season. Especially because it seems like it's unlikely they're going to progress from their group. So those midweek games potentially become a bit easier going into the Europa League. But they'll probably want to push for that as well if if they... Because they qualify th- third out of the group, right? They can, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. can, yeah. So, yeah. For me, they're the ones trending up, I reckon. But, yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think... Eddie Howe has to be commended for how well he's rotated his squad with all those injuries. He's... Like Jamal Lascelles, who was a non a non starter last year when they brought in Sven Botman, has come in and done admirably. Yeah. Um, I think Kieran Trippier has been phenomenal, uh, and then he's just sort of rotations of Longstaff, Anderson, Gimaraes, Joel Linton in the midfield. The emergence of Anthony Gordon has been huge towards mm. Newcastle's success. I feel like because 
injury to Harvey Barnes, uh, Isak and Wilson being in and out of the team. Mm. He's really excelled at being sort of that focal offensive uh, threat and filled the gap that uh, everyone thought um, Harvey Barnes was going to fill when Alan St. Maximin left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Al Moron here yeah, hasn't quite hit the highs he hit last season, but has been a solid figure as well. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would agree that they're they're definitely trending in. They they seem to be despite all some like them having as many injuries as anyone, I'd say them alongside Villa are the, are the most stable of the four teams we've talked about. Yeah. So yeah, now t- to finish this little segment, this is where we let's, let's do a little. We love to do some predictions. So four uh, four five six seven. How do we think these guys are going to finish? For me, it's Newcastle. Yeah, in fourth. United. Tottenham Villa. Really? Okay. I am going to go Newcastle Villa. United Tottenham. United Tottenham. Okay, true. No, Tottenham United. Tottenham United. I don't trust um, United defensively enough. I think they've. I, I again, I do think when they come up against better teams, they'll they'll crumble a bit. They're going to struggle a lot. Mm. But it's tight. It's tight. I think that, that's not a prediction I make with a lot of. I think the only prediction I make with conviction is Newcastle will be fourth. Yeah, yeah, me too. But then I think Villa are good. But again, it's it's just dealing with unknowns. They've not been in this position before. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I think. And then Tottenham, I do think once they get all their players back from injury, will be as good as they were to start the season. Hmm. But it's about whether or not they can go out those, get grind out those results. I do think, but then also they're the only team that doesn't have midweek games. So because I expect Villa to go far in the Conference League, I expect uh, Newcastle and United to go, if they both drop into the Europa League, to both do decently there. Hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's of the teams that. Have those midweek games? I think yeah, Newcastle, and then I, I, I yeah. For now, I think I think yeah, I'm gonna back Villa in, and then Tottenham, then United. Mm. But it's close between those those last two. Yeah, I think it, it's 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 very difficult aside from Newcastle because Newcastle that like currently have that trend of like just getting into a bit of better form. The rest of them are just so up and down that it's hard to tell. Yeah, especially United. Like they should really be be in like fifth there but yeah yeah but there you go you heard of their first uh wilbur says newcastle united tottenham villa and i say uh newcastle villa tottenham united okay so now that we've got that out of the way we are going to have a little bit of fun with it. We're going to go through the four teams that we've just mentioned and do a little bit of a... For those who watch Sky Sports uh, Saturday Social, you know this type of stuff, but or you just would have seen it around on socials. But we're going to do a little, uh, little twist on the start bench cell or start bench cut because uh, we've, we've got four teams. We're going to have a player from each of those teams and we're going to do a start bench loan cell. Uh, so Wilbur's got all the names out there, and we're going to go through that, and then we, at the end we might do a little combined eleven of the four teams. Take yeah, us away. It, it, it'd be interesting to see how it compares with our predictions for the yeah 
for the, oh, know, yeah, like the, the, the order the of the four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, starting with uh, goalkeeper, we've got Anana, Pope, Vicario, and Martinez. And I think, I mean, the other ones that will do the selection is, I suppose, could be a little bit contentious, like in the four. But yeah, this, yeah. this one's clear cut, obviously. It's clear cut, you reckon? No, it's clear cut. Like that, those are the four oh, players. Are, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, do you want me to go first, or, do you want, or should we do it? Should we do it? Should we do it? Uh, yeah, what's, yeah. What's, what's the word? Where we do it at the, at the same time? <laughs> oh wait, do do you mean we'll go through each of them? No, but like we'll we'll do it together instead of out each separate ones. Let's so go. Well, let's go through. Like start with start. And then we'll go one each, and then oh, we'll okay. alternate who okay. starts. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna say Martinez should be starting out of those. Should be guys. the starter. Would you agree or no? Yeah, I think so. I think it's so. pretty close, but I think he, he he edges it. I think just you know recent accolades. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other like Pope, I don't think is good as is as good as Martinez, and then the other two are new and new to the league, so. Yeah, and Onana's had his struggles. Vicario's look good, but again, Martinez's body of work, I'd say, gets in the spot. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so too. All right. So then, probably between Pope and Vicario for the net for. So for bench, I'd yeah, I'd have Pope. Pope? I'd have Pope yeah. on the bench. I think that's also. I think give Vicario a full season, and maybe we'll say something different. But yeah, right now, again, the body of work. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I mean. It's going to become more and more of an issue as we move into other positions, but you know, there's there's probably some uh, arguments to be made about the fact that you know Pope isn't that good with his feet and stuff. But yeah, um, I I think Pope's probably probably got to be on the bench there. Yeah, and then Vicario and Anana. I think Anana has been better in recent weeks, but I think you can't really ignore the start that he did have. Or are you are you picking him over Vicario? I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna. Really? I'm gonna. Lie. I feel no, like Vicario no, no. has been outstanding for Tottenham. Yeah, he has been very good. But I think Onana has been good. Pre- I don't know if, if we're meant to take this into consideration, but he has been. He's got the equal number of clean sheets now, and I know clean sheets isn't a great metric for how good a keeper is, but uh-huh. um, and yeah, I don't know. Just he, he also has a body of work prior to the Premier League that true. Know, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a body of work that is a little bit at a little bit of a higher level than Vicario because Vicario was signed from, I think, City. Yeah, yeah um, I think so. And like a lower club. I'll, I'll begrudgingly give you that because I think Vicario just this season in a vacuum has been a better goalkeeper than Anana. We don't um, we don't have to go the same. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll take I'll take Vicario over Anana. Okay. Fair enough, uh, so yeah. I'm yeah I'm uh, loading Vicario, selling Anana. I think, you know, if we're going off just this season's form so far, um, but for some reason I'm not (laughs) going off that. Fair enough. (laughs) Who says you had to? He didn't outline the rules. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) All right. So defenders, we've gone for... Centre-backs. Yeah, centre-halves. So we've got Lotaro Martinez. Oh, yeah, this this is all players regardless of fitness right now. We're doing it for this, right? Yeah, yeah. And then fitness will be the... In the combined the 11. 11. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Latero Martinez, Sven Botman. You mean Lissandro Martinez? Lissandro Martinez. <laughs> yeah, that, that one. Uh, Sven Botman, Romero, and uh, Pau Torres. So, I'm going to go reverse order here. I'm going to sell Torres just because he hasn't been in the league long enough to 
um, be considered better than the other other ones. Yeah, I think Torres is the one one to sell as well. I think, but I, I do, do, that. that's not to say I think he's a bad centre back. I just I, I haven't watched enough of him. Mm. And before he was playing for, I'm pretty sure Villarreal, and they are not amazing in the Liga. But he is a good. Obviously, plays for Spain, so he's a good defender. But yeah, again, that could be my Premier League bias showing. But yeah, the other three are very good centre backs, and, Wait, they've, and they've proved it in the Premier League. Yeah, he was at Villarreal before that, and very yeah. highly. Rated. Regarded, yeah. 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 I'd, I'd, so I would loan Romero. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'd I think Romero is overrated. Yeah, it's like not by. I just think he's a he's he's a good physical defender, but what he detracts from your team with his rashness in terms of getting sent off, silly yellow cards, conceding penalties. Yeah, that is enough to take him below Botman and Martinez. Yeah, because Botman is so solid and rarely ever makes rash decisions. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's the the thing of like him not really being tested that much in a back four, especially in the Premier League yeah. as well. And he's looked a lot better this season, but that's next to Mickey van der Ven, who we could have picked for this as well when yeah. we chose to pick Romero. Yeah. So, bench? What, what, who would you put on the bench? Simply for the fact... The, and the, only reason, the only way I'm picking this is because of where their teams finished last season. I'm benching Botman taking Martinez. Oh, okay, true. Really, true. that's that's the I'm only surprise. That's that. the only deciding factor. Like Newcastle had a, but then Newcastle did have a better defense than United. That's uh, yeah, because it's hard because they have very similar. They have very similar impacts on their teams. They both got signed at the start at the in the summer transfer window before the start of last season. Yeah, and both sort of transformed the backlines that they were in. Mm. But then I, I, the only thing I'll argue is I think it was the signing of Trippier. And Botman that trans and Dan Burn to an effect that transformed that backline. Whereas the Sandro Martinez was the only new player to the backline that was so terrible the season before. Yeah, coming so into for, a catastrophe for, for that reason. Sorry, not the reason that United finished above. For that reason, I'm going to pick Martinez over Botman. Yeah, I suppose so. That both they've both been out for most of this season as well, yeah. and like I think the the absence of Martinez is being, being more felt heavily bigger. felt than yeah. Sven Botman. So. And the casuals will say, um, like, casuals, the casuals will send us a video of, like, Salah making Martinez look the other way, but, you know, <laughs> football's bigger than one moment. You, you can always cherry pick those moments. Yeah. But I am surprised that you... Really? Yeah. I yeah. rate Martinez. Okay, true. I, I never I have just, not rated Martinez. Yeah. I just I just think I've heard you speak about Botman quite a lot. I, I, he's a very good defender. I yeah. 100% think he's a very good yeah. defender. But um, Martinez is also a very good defender. Yeah. And Martinez is a World Cup winner. True, true. <laughs> All right, midfielders. So we we are in agreement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Total. Love that. Total uh, accordance. So we've done central midfielders here next, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, there's some of them have different profiles, but anyway. Without we've just sort of we... tried to pick the best midfielder for each team, right? Yeah. Who we think is the best, and like people may disagree on who they think is the best midfielder, but this is just what we've picked. Yeah. So. Fernandez is clear for for United. Yeah, Gumarais clear for Newcastle. I'd say. I'd, I reckon Madison's clear for Tottenham yep. as well. But then, yeah, Douglas Lewis we've picked over over John McGinn. Yeah, John McGinn. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I mean it's close, but I'd say Lewis is probably maybe just. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, that's who we've picked. So yeah. Should, uh, should we start with start? Yeah. Yeah. I I would start. Madison. 
Yeah, the top three is very close, I think. Um, yeah. Because if we're going on just this season, then yeah, Madison. But if we're not, then I'd probably go Bruno G. Yeah. I mean, Bruno G was, you know, you know, if it was last season, like it would be clear Bruno G. Because, you know, he came into the Newcastle team and had like a ridiculous impact in a similar yeah. way that Madison's doing. And a similar way that Fernandez did initially. Yeah. Only reason I'm not like immediately starting Fernandez as well, despite his numbers, as some United fans may chirp about, is just for the his his ability to disappear in big games. That's huge for me. Yeah, and like that lowers him down on the pecking order substantially. Yeah, but, and uh, and like we were talking about earlier, he's, he's not exempt from you know that sort of United trait of of recent times of throwing the towel in. And yeah, being absolutely. a bit of a passenger sometimes. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I, I'll give you starting Madison. Um, yeah, because again, he transformed the team like Bruno G did and like Fernandez did. So, hmm. so then, so then, what have you got? Have you got Bruno G next? Yeah, I've got yeah, Bruno yeah, G, yeah. yeah. See, I think, but a lot of people would disagree with would that. We put Fernandez <laughs> over, yeah, probably. But like I said, for me, the way like his 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 lack of effort and lack of leadership in those big moments in yeah. big games is 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 a massive flaw in his game and that's mm. enough for me to put Bruno G above him they are also different players Bruno G is a much more box to box almost defensively minded player over than Fernandez. but yeah I reckon that is the best way to like frame it in terms of um, like Fernandez is, is is world class but I think I would prefer to have Bruno G in my team yeah because he's just like you know he's got the he's got the dog in him yeah <laughs> Fernandez. Not to the same extent as Ozil, but is a little bit of a luxury player. Mm, yeah, he's not completely a luxury player because if he was a luxury player, United would, you know, United would be even worse. Yeah, but so but he's not. But yeah, I, and like this might be a hot take, but yeah, like I agree with you. I'd rather have Bruno G in my team. Yeah, I think when you think about it, like he, he's not really. Yeah, I, I mean, he's obviously not like a box to box midfielder or like a deep lying midfielder. He's just kind of like. He's he's more in, like involved in attacks than anything else. Yeah. And so yeah. Anyway, so I, are you uh, benching Bruno, learning Fernandez? Yeah, yeah, I am yeah. actually. And then yeah, yeah Douglas yeah. Louise, look, he's 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 good, and Villa have been doing really well, but I just don't think he's on the level of, of the other of three. The other three. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't think McGinn would be either. McGinn would also be a sell in this yeah. in this instance. Yeah, right, but he cool. is he is incredible quality. Yeah, his ability, his like set pieces, shots from distance, and also just like his deep lying playmaking abilities. Plus, he's good. In the, he's he's good defensively as well. Yeah, probably out of all of them, the the best defensive. Well, him or Bruno G. Yeah, yeah. Um, all, all right. right. So an, another complete. Um, agree between yep. us. Um, so wing. Rashford, Gordon, Kulisevsky, and Diaby. I think Miller. we might differ here. I think, uh, oh, this is tough. This is. I Let's start is, with Cell. Cell's Kulisevsky for me. I know he's been decent to start this season, but I, I would rather have the other three in my team over him. You can disagree. I don't know. I think, to be honest, I feel like I haven't actually seen. Like a like a like a lot of either of them 
Not Kulisewski or... Or Diaby. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm not really sure how to go about... But, you, I, but you I've seen back, more you could back Kulisevsky on his like previous body of work. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, he he had a pretty big impact when he first came into the tournament. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to sell Diaby, and I think it's probably just got to do with me not watching that much of Aston Villa. That's fair. All right, so I'm saying we've differed there. Um, all right, so uh, I'm selling <laughs> I'm selling Kulisevsky loaning Diaby. Yeah, so okay. Gordon and Rashford are my top two. All right. I know Rashford's had a down season this season, but like, let's be real, he's a, still a very, very good player. Mm. And now that he's got back together with his girlfriend, I'm not sure if he's yeah, in the metrics or that. Yeah. He could be in for a big second <laughs> half of the season, that's all I'm saying. I did say that. Um, this who, is tricky. Who's tracking that? I don't know. <laughs> someone with way too much time on their hands. Um, for those who don't know, uh, someone's tracked the stats of like uh, Rashford's timeline of when he's been with his girlfriend and when he's broken up with her and he's gotten back together with her three times now yeah and his uh out offensive output numbers are crazy when he's been together with her but then every time he breaks up with her he has a massive drop off for some weird reason <laughs> he's sad he's sad yeah he's not focusing on the ball all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna start rashford i think it's hard to like even though gordon has had a an, an incredible season and it's been like you know, to to sort of fill the hole that Alan St. Maximum left is is a big feat, but I just think I just think Rashford is just better. Yeah, look best. Those who know me, this might be a surprising uh, answer for me, but I'm also going to start Rashford. Yeah, okay. yeah. I thought I thought you might go with Gordon, but I I just think even though Gordon's had a good start to the season, it's very hard to justify. Putting him over Rashford. Starting yeah, Rashford's Rashford. body of work is like incredible. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. So we agree on all but the bottom two in that one. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And wait, we disagreed here. Is yeah, yeah, goalkeepers and wingers. The bottom two wingers. All right, strikers. Who have we got? Uh, Rasmus Hoyland. I get it right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isak Son and Ollie Watkins. So Son gets into this one based on him being played up front for Tottenham this season. Mm. Uh, so it'd be kind of it's tricky to go on body of work here. Um, so yeah, we'll see how we go. But and Hoyland as well is hard to go on body yeah. of work. But I think I think I'm probably going to sell him. Yeah, I know he's been good in the Champions League, but yeah, haven't watched enough and didn't do hasn't done a whole lot of goal scoring for Atalanta either last season. Yeah, but, and then you look at the records of the other three fantastic so yeah he was always going to be a project and you know I, I don't think you know that sell it's not sellers in like we know if it's not you know it's not like we're not doing this based on like oh you're selling him but he's such a good prospect you know it's, that doesn't come into it yeah yeah it's just based it's on just the who we're getting rid of yeah instead of kill <laughs> yeah no that's, that... that's what it was going to be <laughs> start bench sell kill <laughs> I think um and yeah, I think the the option to sort of sell the Man United part of this striker sort of, you know, uh, scenario, like doesn't change if you put any other United striker. No, yeah, Martial's gone. Um, I don't even know who else. Yeah, that's is. it. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Um, sell. It's, it's interesting now. Yeah, it's very interesting now. 
Yeah, this is this is hard. Because like if you're talking about as a striker, it's tricky. Because Watkins and Isak have more have shown more as a striker, but Son's also scored plenty as a striker this season. So what do you think? Oh, it is really yeah. hard. I am leaning towards selling Watkins. I know he's been really good this season, but I do think Isak is a slightly better player than he is. Wait, loan. Lo- loan. Sorry, yeah, loaning. Yeah, loan. yeah. Wait, sorry, continue. continue. Yeah, I, I just think Isak is a slight... I know Watkins... To be fair, Watkins has a better goal tally and all that, so I don't really have stats to back me up here, but I just do think Isak is a little bit of a better player than... I think he's all-around game. What, 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 like he's just better. Like he holds the ball up really well. He can dribble really well. He can, you know, come kind of come in off the left flank. Um, yeah, that's my justification. It's not great justification, but that's my justification. You can feel free to disagree. I wouldn't be that. I'm, 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 I'm gonna loan Isak. Yeah, I'm gonna loan Isak. I just think. I feel like Watkins can also do. Like most of everything that you want a striker to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Isak's obviously got like the highlight reel of, you know, kind of runs from deeper, like resulting in chances or goals. Yeah. That you don't see that much of Watkins, but in terms of everything else that you would want a striker to do, he's. I've, I've just noticed is, is this language that we're using hinting that we're having Son starting? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I, 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 I can't. We've come to that, but I honestly am surprised we've come to that. I think it's hard. I think even though he's not a striker, I think it's like hard to not have him. He's the, yeah. he's like the best footballer. Yeah. On that yeah. in that list, yeah, probably. He's he's like a he's a Premier League like icon now. Yeah, yeah, yeah already without, without a doubt. All right, so he's just he's just a great guy. I'm uh, Son Isaac Watkins Hoyland, and you're Son Watkins Isaac Hoyland. Yeah. Okay. All right. Nice. Enjoyed that. Yeah, that was good. All right. Now, then, now let's do a combined 11. <laughs> Beautiful. So, by that logic, Martinez and goal. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, we've... We, oh, no, because so this is fit. This is this is everyone's fit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this everyone is, who's currently so fit. So, this is now everyone that's currently fit. Yeah. Um, and available, as in for this weekend, because Romero is still suspended. Yeah, I think it's going into the next match week. Yeah, because Villa are playing Tottenham and... United are playing Newcastle. That's why. That's also conveniently why we've chosen these four teams. Um, yeah, no, no, wait. Tot- Villa no, Villa are playing... No, sorry. Tottenham are playing City. Tottenham are playing City, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And we just included Villa because it was convenient for the Champions League hunt. Anyway, so Martinez and goal. Um, left back. I'm going to go Luke Shaw. Right, so who are the options? Luke Shaw, Luca Dean. Yeah. Uh, Destiny Doggy and Dan oh Livermento yeah, yeah. or Dan Dan Burn. I think it's Livermento has been playing recently I think Dan Burn might be injured and wait Luke Shaw's back yeah he's, he started against Everton oh okay true. Um, I'm gonna go Luke Shaw yeah I think it has I to think be when he's sure. when he's fit he's the best left back there yeah uh, right back Kieran Trippier yeah Kieran Trippier yeah I think it has to be yeah. Kieran Trippier yeah yeah, yeah. He's better than Poro. He's better than Dallo. He's better than Medicash. Yep. 
Uh, centre back. We've probably powered. I know we sold him, but probably Pau Torres at this point because Fabian Scher and Jamal Lascelles. I'd probably take. So it's probably one of those because I'm not taking Harry Maguire and I'm not taking Johnny Evans. Yeah. I'm not taking. I think Fabian Scher has to be in there. Scher and Pau Torres? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd like. Yeah, okay. I'm happy with that. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, midfield. So we're doing it 4 3 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so Madison's not playing. Basuma is is Bruno G fit? Did he play last game? Fuck, so I need to scramble to look at some phones here. Um, I think so. Fernandez is in there, pretty pretty clearly. Yeah, say Fernandez. Um, Basuma maybe a shout. You've got Douglas Lewis being a shout. Um, and then if Bruno G's fit, he's also a shout. Hang on, I think I've almost got it. He would have, if he would have played this morning against PSG, or even if he would have played on the weekend. Um, yeah, Bruno G. Yeah, he's fit. Yeah, so it's Fernandez and Bruno Guimaraes. Yeah, and then who joins him out of Basuma or Douglas Luiz? Probably, if Doug, probably Douglas Luiz. Basuma is, has been good this season. Yeah, but I'd say has. I'd say probably say Douglas Luiz. Yeah. Again, probably it's probably oh I don't know, I don't know if it's body of work in the Premier League, recent body of work in the Premier League, but it's it's very close. Yeah, I really do like Basuma. Me too, but I'd probably pick Douglas Luiz. I mean, for example, he like that Villa just beat Spurs and both of them are playing. Yeah, uh, I know that game could have gone either way, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. They're they're five points ahead. Yeah. They beat him on the weekend. So you get to Yeah, I think it has to be Douglas Lewis. All right. Uh well I guess Son up top. Yeah. And, yeah. and Rashford. Rashford. Because he was yeah. start. And then the right wing. Uh Miguel Almiron. Um Musa Diaby. But can you put Gordon in there? No, he plays on the left where yeah, Rashford can play. Yeah. So it's between Diaby, Miguel Almiron, Kulisevsky. What's United? United and United is oh no, Rashford was playing off the right because Garnacho was playing left. Yeah, true. So you came put, in from you the left. Gordon and Rashford. Then. Yeah, I, I think you'd I think you'd have to do that. Yeah, Gordon like. Rashford song. Yeah, yeah. All right, there that's, we go. That's a, that's a nice that's, front that's three. A front, a good front three. All right, there we go. We did it. Yeah, that was yeah. that was fun. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll see if I can make a little graphic about that. That actually came together quite well. Yeah. Yeah. It did come together quite well. Didn't have too disagree too many disagreements there. Yeah, but a few disagreements. Yeah, yeah but healthy disagreements. <laughs> exactly. All right, and as we approach the uh, almost hour mark, I think that's where we, that's where we'll leave it. So yeah, thank. Hope we've, you've enjoyed us listening. Uh, waffle on about the teams chasing the Champions League. Um, who knows? You know the the t- the teams that we think are the top three might not end up being the top three, but. My gut feeling is they will be. Hmm. Uh, but yes, if you've enjoyed listening um, and you made it this far, chuck us a follow on Spotify and a five-star rating too. We love those. And follow us on all our socials, uh, 40yardswitch.pod on Instagram and uh, at 40yardswitchpod, I think, on Twitter. Not 100%. Uh, but yeah. Why am I looking to you? You don't know. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, and that's uh, hopefully Arsenal get up in the Champions League in the morning. 
He's hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping. All right. Bye-bye, guys.